Greetings and welcome one and all to another episode of Legacy of Brutality. I'm your pal Anna, here with my co-host. Hey everybody, Hollywood Steve here with my, uh, I'm going to be just like shotgun (laughs) on this one because Anna is like so prepared to tell us about Lon Chaney. And I'm super excited because I've been hearing tidbits along the way. Yeah. This is all very interesting. Yes. It's hard to keep it to myself when I'm researching and I find something (laughs) cool. I just want to talk about it. So I uh, have already kind of demoed parts of this (laughs) on uh, Hollywood Steve as well as some of my coworkers at work. So yeah, I've been itching to talk about this. Um, one of the reasons why I picked Lon Chaney is that I just have a personal uh, love of special effects makeup. Right. Um, and I've been doing it for a few years now mm-hmm. just for fun. And um, once I started getting into horror movies, I, uh, of course, immediately started wanting to know about the people behind these amazing creations that I was trying to emulate. Um, And, but a lot of my knowledge of that is like of more recent people. Right. Um, And I've known, I knew like a little bit about uh, some of the like older, older uh, artists in the industry, but I didn't really know that much about Lon Chaney. Mm -hmm. Uh, how much do you say you would know about him? Not before? much at all. I mean, I, I talked about uh, him some for I think the original original second episode when I was okay, doing yeah, the solo yeah. episodes. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, no, I mean, I, I remember running into that he was he was a very private man. So there's it, right. not a ton of information. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, we don't actually really know all that much about his personal life. Uh, which is, you know, something that uh, when I first started looking into this, uh, it just made me want to find out as much as I possibly could about yeah. him. Um, there, there is one uh, historian of Lon Chaney that is mm-hmm. regarded uh, as knowing pretty much the most right. about about him. Um, uh, Michael F. Blake, he was also or is also a makeup artist right. um, in in film and TV and stuff. Uh, So I used a lot of his sources. uh, Very helpful. His first book in particular... Um, I I was really helpful for researching mm-hmm. this because he just had a lot of insight into stuff that before people didn't really know or right. or had just like taken rumor as fact. Yeah. Um. So yeah. Uh. I'll be mostly talking about his uh influence on the film industry, obviously horror in particular, right. and not too much about his personal life. Right. Uh, you know, partially just because we don't know that much about it. And that was really uh, his wishes. Yeah. Uh, he did not like publicity. Mm-hmm. Um, he, he once said, between pictures, there is no Lon Chaney. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think some of that was just he, he liked the mystery that that led to mm-hmm. his characters in general. Yeah. Um, just not being really well known uh, like outside of his films right. just like adds a lot of intrigue I and also think. i mean in his films you're not really seeing lon cheney yeah of the a time, lot of the so times he could yeah probably get away in public without 
people recognize that is very true yeah there there were definitely a lot of times where he you know would not be recognized in in public he didn't make a lot of public appearance very few Mm. like premieres of his own movies attended Mm -hmm. and stuff um he he just didn't like fame like he wouldn't even respond to most fan mail Mm. um not because he didn't appreciate the people that supported his films but he just didn't want to succumb to any type of like overinflation of right. ego that might come along with fame. Mm-hmm. So he just didn't want to he didn't want to feed that. Hmm. Um so yeah, we did a few bonus features episodes yes, on did. this that you can uh, f- uh find on our Patreon mm-hmm. um while we were while I was researching for this um just a few movies of his if you are interested in uh, knowing any more like extra information uh, details that I might not be going into on this episode we did one on The Phantom of the Opera uh-huh. The Hunchback of Notre Dame and then a biopic yes. Man of a Thousand Faces uh-huh. which uh, you know if, if you want to hear a story about Lon Chaney <laughs> right. it's certainly something you could watch right yeah. right yes so yeah check out our patreon if you're interested yeah, in those patreon.com forward slash legacy of brutality <laughs> so about lon cheney the man uh he was born to deaf and mute parents on april 1st in 1883 mm-hmm. and this i think is really like a huge foundation of just his like the direction that he went in life with acting Mm. um he had to be very expressive at home his parents didn't speak to him and so as a child he didn't even speak for the first several years of his life really because they didn't speak at home they just Uh signed and so he he learned how to communicate on on a level where sound wasn't necessary and he was really good at it um, and and that I think just like is was so instrumental in his performances. So he got his start in theater uh, mm-hmm. b- before before movies, and he played a lot of different roles uh, in in that industry. He was a stage manager, he was a choreographer, he was a wardrobe supervisor, mm-hmm. and of course learned makeup. Right. Which is why I'm talking about him today. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so um, while he was uh, in still working in theater, uh, he met and married Cleva Creighton. Mm-hmm. Um, and their child, Creighton Tull Cheney, who most of us would know as Lon Cheney Jr., right. was born shortly after that. So in theater, as I said, he, he was learning all of these like skills, like these performer skills and right. all these things. Um, but then um, due to his wife's eventual attempted suicide, he was forced out of theater because yeah. of the bad publicity. Right. Um, so and she did it on stage. Right? In, in the wings. In, in the, the wings. wings. Yeah. yeah. So mm-hmm. they, it was just a troubled, it sounds like it was a troubled time in her life. Yeah. And um, that's unfortunately how their, their relationship uh, ended. Right. Uh, he filed for divorce mm-hmm. in December of that year. And by the next year, they, they were separated. Um, but, it, that was kind of the catalyst for him getting into movies. 
Um, so by 1913, he that's when he first started getting like some bit parts and mm-hmm. like he was extra and stuff in in uh, some films. But uh, his makeup skills were mm-hmm. kind of what gave him like an edge over other actors because at that time they didn't have makeup departments. Right. Uh, so actors were expected to do their own and if you're really good at doing your own and you're really good at transforming yourself into someone else then mm-hmm. you're going to get noticed Right. Um, and that's kind of what happened and when he was in these movies even when he was a side character his performances and his ability to transform his features with makeup made him just always be a standout like even if the film wasn't really mm-hmm. that well received right. his performances were well received so that you know was just kind of like i think what helped propel him into the like the phases of uh, the filmmaking that he was involved in that like we really remember uh-huh. today and um, do we do we really know where he picked up his skills? Like, do do we have any idea of who maybe taught him any of this, or did he just learn a lot of it well, through experimentation? There, yeah, there there are anecdotes of when he was a child, his mother um, became ill and was bedridden, and uh-huh. and he wanted to entertain her and and talk to her, so he would kind of pantomime skits and and stories and try to be really expressive and just kind of to cheer her up um when she was when she was bedridden uh and then just i you know he just evolved over time yeah Yeah. he he at one point like wrote a a show and and he and some of his uh I, i believe there were like relatives uh-huh. uh performed it and and it was just kind of like a natural progression uh-huh. into theater um yeah uh so by by 1915 uh-huh. uh universal city studios opens and uh that's where cheney starts working he makes yeah. several pictures there uh this is where he marries Hazel Hastings, who he would be married to until his death. Okay. Um, and and so he just started making movies with Universal, and uh, he was gaining popularity. Mm. He was make he was being cast in bigger roles, and by 1918. He decided to ask for a raise. Mm-hmm. Uh, he asked for $125 a week and okay. a five-year contract. And he was told that he would never be worth more than $100 a week. Okay. So, obviously, he knew his worth. Um, and he decided to leave and freelance. Good on him, yeah. Yes. Um, so... Uh, he he did eventually go back and work, uh, do some movies with Universal um, after he had kind of gained more recognition elsewhere. A He'd couple done, of his big biggest roles, right? Yes. Yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. We're getting. Yep. Those are we're coming up. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. So um, after after becoming more known in some of the other studios, because mm-hmm. he'd only wor- he'd worked so much with Universal, but was yep. really only known. For that, um, he 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 
the freelancing kind of gave him the opportunity to become more known, yeah. you know, el- um, elsewhere. So when but when he did come back and, and work with Universal, he also did work um, on several movies with the director Todd Browning, oh, uh, okay. who directed Dracula, uh, uh, 1931 and mm-hmm. Freaks. Yep. Mm-hmm. The next year. So that's kind of a fun, yeah, you know, yeah. tie-in. Eventually, I'm sure we will be talking about. Oh, for sure, We're Todd, Browning. About Todd yeah. Browning. Yeah. Um. So then, uh, by by the next year, he made a movie at Paramount called The Miracle Man. This is 1919, and that that movie really gave him an opportunity to shine. Uh-huh. Um. There was a scene where the the character he he played was. He's trying to fool a crowd of people into thinking he's disabled. Uh-huh. He w- would then be healed by this miracle man, but he wasn't. Re- he didn't have any disabilities. Right. It was all. It was all a, a grift, basically. Yes. Yeah. Um, and they had uh, auditioned a few contortionists, but none of them were really actors, and they mm. weren't really happy with the the performances so Lon Chaney uh was kind of given the opportunity to see if he he could pull off that effect and he's not a contortionist um but he just was so expressive in his his body movements that uh he was able to kind of give this effect of of being healed Mm -hmm. from this affliction um and it was it was just really impressive uh and like some other like notable movies where he he kind of had to do like physically taxing things uh there was the penalty in 1920 where he played a double amputee Okay. Um. Uh. And he kind of had to walk around Ugh. on his knees yeah. with his legs tucked up behind him. Yeah. He could only stay in the that setup for like fifteen to twenty mm. minutes because it was just so uncomfortable. Mm. Um. And then he also played a, a character with no arms in the unknown later in his career. Um. So he he was like he was always just changing you know into completely different characters mm-hmm. he he was so good at playing just whatever would be asked of him like mm-hmm. he was just such a like a character actor and like the after having played like so many distinct roles this joke came about that they would say don't step on that spider it might be Lon Chaney (laughs) (laughs) because he just had such like transformative power um and then uh also another nickname that uh or yeah a nickname that you might may know uh, would be Man of a Thousand Faces. Yeah, um, uh-huh. you know the we, name we, of the biopic, right? And, yeah, yeah, we did, and, a bunch and of also the biography it. itself. Yeah, yeah. Um, and that came about around the same time that production on the Hunchback of Notre Dame began, uh, which is probably one of his most, I guess, widely known movies today. Um, I think that 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 uh, makeup is is pretty iconic. Probably a lot of people would recognize it. Uh huh. Um, and we did we I did talk a little bit about it on our bonus features episode, but just like 
the the gosh the <laughs> the the total transformation yeah. of his entire person not just his face i mean mm. his acting as well and like what he did with his body like the way that he just like totally captured a different person like than himself yeah. it's just so i'm just so like in awe of that you know mm -hmm. um and that makeup is so impressive because he i mean he was having to build basically an entire face on his face and be able to still emote <laughs> and right. act yeah um and it, it was just like he he used uh illustrations from the book right. to base his design off of um so he was just always very aware of like different factors and uh just different um i i don't know just like he he thought about everything that yeah. he put into his makeup and he thought about mm -hmm. everything he put into his performance yeah um, his physicality yes that movie is, it's just electric highly impressive yeah. yeah yeah and then and then the next year um he began work on phantom of the opera which is i, I would say probably the other right <laughs> you know well known of his if, if not the most enduring yes um we've you know once again probably all seen stills of that moment when yeah. <laughs> the mask that has been pulled off of him masking yeah which is just yeah it's it's the reveal of the the makeup which I guess the premiere would have been the first time mm -hmm. anyone outside of the production had seen it because he, they didn't allow any sort of like actual like pictures right, of it to be right. made available. Yeah. They wanted it to be a total surprise. Yeah. Yeah. To great effect. It's, I mean, it looks great today. Yes. It, it doesn't, it, it's not one of those things where you look back and go, oh, how campy. You look at mm -hmm. it and it's like, how did he do that to his face? Right. Right. And and there there are conflicting reports yeah. on that. Um I honestly have I I kind of have an ambition now to mm -hmm. give both of the like leading theories a try at some point yeah, on myself that, just to see if I can kind of recreate. <laughs> that I I like that that mythbuster yeah. horror, <laughs> horror movie mythbuster idea. That yeah. would be great. Yeah, so so one of the theories is that he used wires to kind of pull up his nose mm -hmm. to give that kind of skull nose effect. Right. Um, and then the other theory is that he used a material called fish skin, okay. um, which I have done my darndest to <laughs> research this material. Right. I, I have never worked with it, and I don't personally know anyone who has, so I don't really okay. know how it works. Um, it's just what I've heard described is that it's just kind of a rigid skin like material okay. that you can attach with an adhesive and then use to pull your face around and, huh. and attach it again so that it stays pulled in that direction, okay. which I, it sounds very plausible to me. And this is what, uh, the, the leading, uh, Biographer. Yeah, biographer. Mm -hmm. That's what he says it, yeah. it was. Okay. So, I, yeah, I'm really curious. Uh, Me too. I, I kind of want to get my hands on some of that so I can see how it works. Yeah, because, like, uh, it is, it is, 
Still, even, even though uh, the biographer, what is his name again? Uh, Michael F. Blake. Michael F. Blake. Even though he is reporting what he's heard, there's no like confirmation this yeah. is exactly how it was done. He's reporting what a, a makeup artist who works... He was an assistant. Oh, an assistant. An assistant to, to Lon Chaney. Um, and so that was kind of just like an anecdotal, right? Uh, you know, thing that yeah, he shared so with still him. So up in the air. It, yeah, it is. Um, and and other makeup artists, the prominent makeup artists, mm. have have said that it was the wires method. Right. So you know, I didn't Rick Baker. I I think theory? so. Yeah, yeah, I think he was one of the ones that said that. I mean, listen, Rick Baker knows what he's talking he about. He does, but not that again that we're talking about the the biographer also a makeup artist. Right. So, right. Yeah. So. So interesting, interesting uh, channels to go down eventually. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to try to figure that out. Yeah. Because it's very interesting to me. Yeah, me too. Yeah. Um, so then eventually he did sign a contract with MGM. Okay. And he made a lot of like non-horror movies, um, but he did continue to always like alter his appearance with, uh-huh. with makeup, like often at least. Um, he, you know, like we're talking about him because of his influence on horror, right. but like he was not just that yeah, he was large he was influential across genre yeah and throughout all like he he's in so many movies mm-hmm. yeah he's yeah. in adaptations of other classics right. like uh like treasure island mm-hmm. and, and things like that he's in so such a prolific mm-hmm. uh uh worker yeah um and uh he he was a huge workers rights advocate yeah uh and and go unions uh he was a member of the stagehands union which is now IATSE okay uh the international association of theatrical stage employees he was a member of that union until he died wow cool um and a, a cool uh story that i did find in that the the biography that i read um, was that he would never work past 5 p.m. unless they had to do night shoots. Okay. And so he he was a strict like nine to five. I'm out. Well, probably so, earlier than that. It was it was a bit earlier. <laughs> yeah. Um, because he he just was you know he had you know his standard there. Yeah. And uh, one day it, it, they were filming a scene with. A bunch of extras and it was becoming apparent that they were not going to finish by five right and so irving thalberg who was uh, mgm's production head was trying to convince lon cheney to just work a little bit longer so uh-huh. that they wouldn't have to have another day of shoots therefore having to pay a bunch of extras uh-huh. an extra day's work and Lon Chaney refused. Awesome. Uh, he said that he never held up the production, mm-hmm. even if it meant that he had to get there early to put on his makeup. He, right. Because he was very conscious and respectful of his co-workers uh-huh. and didn't want to take up their time. Yeah. Um, and so he said, no, we're finishing at five. And then he said, by the way, like, I mean, by the way, these extras need an extra day of yeah. money. <laughs> so, have to pay them. <laughs> yeah. So that's awesome. <laughs> yeah. That's what leading, that's what stars have to do, I feel like, yeah. to get 
uh, everyone equal pay. And, and, and luckily, you know, re- recently with the writers guild mm-hmm. strike and the directors are the, um, uh, the actors, uh, actors yeah yeah they they supported each other and, mm-hmm. and it's great hopefully yeah. IOTC sets to strike this year i believe so hopefully they'll still come out for them too mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah he he just kind of like there there's so many stories of him just looking out for co-workers giving people advice yeah. um uh, one actress he worked with uh said that there was uh, when they they were working on a movie together, and the director would be kind of mean to her, uh, and like would would kind of berate her performance. And right. on, and when Lon Chaney found out that this was happening, like he would make sure that whenever that director was around her, he was around too, because the director <laughs> would not be mean to her in front of Lon Chaney. Okay. And then and then she said that he really was like the one who was kind of directing her cuz she That's at great. the time didn't know really much about acting at all. Mm-hmm. And so he kind of just like stepped in and instead of like you know intimidating this right. young actress gave her the tools she needed mm-hmm. to do the job. Yeah. Um, Good guy, Lon. Yeah, yeah. So, and and also, there's there's an anecdote that uh, he he told Boris Karloff uh, to that he should do he should find something that he could do better than anyone else uh-huh. and do that thing um and i think you know he did safe to say. A big lumbering scary man there you <laughs> yeah. go so yeah obviously eventually we'll be talking about him too of course yeah we're, yes. we're gonna get around to everybody <laughs> <laughs> so um yeah and uh he was also an advocate for prison reform um awesome so this article he wrote uh, is kind of in the supplemental materials of uh, Lon Chaney, the man behind the Thousand Faces, okay, uh, which is the biography, the, the biography mm-hmm. by okay. uh, yeah Blake. And really, he was just he was a, a major advocate for rehabilitation instead of uh, punishment. Oh, that's great. Um, yeah, yeah, he didn't think that punitive measures worked, and mm. I wouldn't agree with yeah, him. That's- <laughs> Seems to be the case. Yeah. yeah so, in, in in like I just from reading that article, pre- preparing for this, it just like really struck me that he seemed to in in many areas of his life, he seemed to always be considering as many factors as he could. Yeah. And and a considerate and, person. Yes. Yeah. Like he was very observant. Uh-huh. Like when like for for rehabilitation for for prisoners mm-hmm. like you he he was say like there's there's a difference between someone who's a first time offender mm-hmm. and feels that they have no other choice right. and doesn't have the tools yeah. to not break the law like yeah. that that's that that person doesn't deserve to be punished sure. that's not going to help yeah, <laughs> so 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 he was he was looking at all these factors that might play into that and and that's kind of what he did in his acting he was yeah. looking at many factors uh to that that would affect how he would act as that character that's how it, he was with his makeup yeah. uh in a in a practical standpoint like just from uh, outside elements like the type of film being used and yeah. uh, the type of lighting and uh-huh. how it was lit um, like he w- with with like um, the f- in the earlier days they uh-huh. were using um, 
orthochromatic. Oh. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. Okay. Let me see. Orthochromatic film. Orthochromatic film. Okay. And then they transition to panchromatic film. Basically, uh-huh. the difference between those is that they just kind of show colors differently. Okay. Um, so with orthochromatic film, it's a lot... The, the colors that you would think are being shown are not true right. to what you're actually seeing. And okay. so if you are wearing like red blush, it's going to look really, really dark. Like you okay. have like dark, gotcha. like black blush on or something mm-hmm. like that. Whereas with panchromatic film, you could wear colors that would show up in like a much closer tone to what they'd oh, be okay. in real life. So if you wore a pink blush, it wouldn't look... Right. Uh, like too much um so so he was like having to constantly evolve as the industry was evolving yeah with, which was like, going pretty fast yeah in the the tens to the 30s yeah there was a lot of change yeah he he actually like um wrote another like letter about when they they had started using a new type of lights uh-huh. And and he kind of like wrote a, a like basically just what the pros and cons of the different lights were and how he did believe that these new lights would be a better option, uh-huh. but that meant that they were going to have to change how the they, they did, did their makeup. makeup. Right. And I just really admire the fact that he wasn't like, oh, I'm going to have to change uh-huh. my my methods so if you do this, so I don't want to progress he was like no i think that in the long run this will be better so let's adapt to it and and like great yeah i just i love that he had such an attention to detail um and he was always experimenting to try to find the thing Uh that would give the effect that he was looking for and he just did not sacrifice that great i mean (laughs) and, and it comes across yeah. In every single thing he does, you can definitely tell he put his effort into making it look the best he could. Yeah. Um, now to like an, uh, one one movie he was in where he actually didn't uh, really change his appearance at all. One of the rare times mm-hmm. was a movie called Tell It to the Marines. Okay. Um, it was it was getting to the later parts of his career mm-hmm. um and this was actually uh i just bring this up because it was actually one of the very rare times that he made an appearance at a premiere oh, wow. to a film he was really proud of it okay um and the marine corps actually made him an honorary member and oh, he, wow. yeah he was the first honorary member from the film industry hmm. of the marine corps um and as I said, like, this is kind of getting towards, like, the, the end of his career. Um, by 1929, he started work on his last silent film, uh-huh. which is called Thunder. Uh, he played a train operator. Um, and this actually was, it, uh, they filmed in Green Bay, Wisconsin. So oh, wow. not too far off from my old stomping grounds. Uh-huh. Um, but... Uh, very sadly, he became ill, and he ended up with walking pneumonia. Oy. Yeah, um, it was not it was not a great situation. He was trying mm-hmm. to push through, but they had to delay filming. 
Um, and by October, he was diagnosed with lung cancer. Oh. Yeah. Um, but he's still, you know, he's still working. He's still at least wanting to work. He still uh -huh. has plans. Uh, by this time, talkies were starting to come onto the scene. And this was a thing that he was not very keen on participating in okay uh he just he felt that it was too experimental um and he he didn't want to get caught up in this thing that he felt they were capitalizing on uh -huh. before they really knew how it worked Gotcha. Um, yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, and we do know that several silent film actors entered immediately into talking mm. talkies and kind of flops. Right. Yes. Because, because people weren't expecting yeah. that sound to come out of them. Exactly. And he, so, so he, he didn't want to, to really do them, but he did appear in one uh, talkie okay. and um, he did have to pass a voice test like a recorded voice test in, in order to be on it uh -huh. um and he and it, it's so funny he ended up playing like multiple he he did multiple voices in it he was okay. playing characters that were playing other characters mm -hmm. in the movie um and and it, it was a success uh, it was a it was a remake of the Unholy Three, which was a silent film that he was in several years before. So his his first and only talkie was a remake of, <laughs> of, of a movie that had not come out very much before yeah. that, which is just pretty you know, common in Hollywood. Pretty in those common, days. still it, common, still in common. <laughs> probably always has been common. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, so that was that was his last his last movie and uh that same year in 1930 he died of a pulmonary hemorrhage from bronchial cancer. Ooh. And he was only 47. Young man still. Yeah. Mm. So it's really sad. Um he he had, you know, I mean, I don't I don't like to look at it as like, look what else we could have gotten from him. Like, I feel like that's right. like that's not what I mean. But like, it, you know, it's just, you sad. know, obviously it's just sad. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Anytime I mean, that he, happens. He, he had amassed some money too. he had mm -hmm. come out of, you know, really built himself built up from himself nothing. Up. Yeah. And yeah, unfortunately, didn't get to live long to enjoy that. Yeah. But yeah. You're, I mean, it's not like we uh, he didn't leave us with so mm. many. Well, yes, he did. I and and sadly, um, we have lost yeah, a, a lot, lot of mm -hmm. them. Um, when I learned this next thing, I'm going to tell you, mm -hmm. I was livid. Oh, no. <laughs> like, so um, he made 110 films with Universal, uh -huh. and only four remain in their entirety. Wow. And let me tell you why this is. Tell me why. <laughs> so when talkies started coming into being, uh -huh. Universal thought, well, with this newfangled medium, uh -huh. why would anyone care about silent films? <sighs> so they decided to destroy many films so that they could recover the silver uh wow. because they're you know silver nitrate film uh -huh. um so they're just yeah like just destroying so much 
art such a for money it doesn't sound like anything we have to deal with today thankfully (laughs) i would i mean you know yeah it'd be wild (laughs) if streaming services just completely (laughs) removed stuff and never had a physical release and basically things just disappeared into a hole oh my gosh yeah Yeah. Uh, yeah, so um, out of the 157 films that he made, about 102 of them are classified as lost. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. I know so, one of his great, like, uh, f- uh, makeup physical mm-hmm. performances, London After Midnight, yep. is just gone. It's we gone. Just have yeah, it's one of yeah. the most sought after yeah. lost films of that era. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, even though it was, at the time, not really considered to be a great movie. Once right. again, everyone still was in awe of Cheney's makeup. Right, for it. yeah, and, and that's, yeah, it, it's such a such a great look. Uh, definitely check that out if, you, if you've never seen the look in London After Midnight. It, it's like, I guess it would be a third horror role for yeah. him. Yeah, mm-hmm. But yeah. yeah, again, as we said, he just was in every genre. So mm-hmm. the fact that he did three horror movies, I, I'm glad. And of course, uh, the there fact were... that the Phantom of the Opera and Hunchback of Notre Dame maybe today would not be considered horror. At the time, they were. They were. They were horror yes. films. Yeah. 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 And and even like the, the people that today might say that those movies don't on their own necessarily hold up, right. always still acknowledge that Lon Chaney himself in them is just like incandescent like so wonderful um and yeah I mean he just had a massive massive impact Mm -hmm. on on just the films in general and then Uh more specifically and and why we're talking about him today the horror genre. Yeah. So um, much of, yeah. Of, of horror makeup today was influenced by Lon Chaney. Yeah. On the day of his funeral, all the studios in Hollywood observed two minutes of silence. Wow. Um, and he had a Marine honor guard there. Mm. Um, and as per his will, uh, his crypt is unmarked. Just kind of, I feel like, goes wow. along with his long-standing <laughs> yeah, tradition just of didn't want anybody you know, to know. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. So yeah, and like I, I think also it's important to look at uh some of the the people that we enjoy their work today yeah. because of well, Lon Chaney. La- in, in large part sometimes because of Lon Chaney yeah, yeah. Um, one of those people is Rick Baker mm-hmm. um, you know he he's a, won seven Oscars for, right. for makeup and been nominated uh-huh. for 11 I mean just amazing work and a horror titan like yeah yeah I mean he works in and again works in several genres like most makeup people do but yeah it's yeah i mean you have stands out so much an american werewolf in right. london the ring video drum mm-hmm. then you have like ed wood which is kind of you know about another yeah. horror uh-huh. <laughs> maker which we'll have to talk about eventually yeah. and star wars and men in black you know and he he first saw cheney on the cover of the magazine famous monsters of Filmland. okay and he said i learned how to make scary faces by looking at lon cheney oh wow so thank you lon cheney Thanks, so much and also 
Tom Savini. Yes. Um, Icon. Yes. Mm. You know, he saw the biopic, Man of a Thousand Faces, which if we have nothing else to thank that movie for, it is the fact that he inspired Tom Savini. Um, you know, who, who did Friday the 13th, uh, Dawn and Day of the Dead yeah. and The Burning and Texas Chainsaw Massacre too, and so Maniac and Creepshow. I mean, thing. we just like, we, I, I am so excited to eventually talk about these, yes, these artists as yeah. well. Uh-huh. Um, it, it's, it's hard to kind of hold back. <laughs> I know. <laughs> to just, just talk so about one person right yeah. now. Yeah. Yeah. And then also, of course, you know, he influenced Michael Blake, who, uh, I have to, you know, yeah. shout out for thank you so much for yeah. all of the resources that I was not able to find anywhere yeah. else. Um, so also, yeah, he worked on Buffy. He he's made he monsters did. himself. He yeah. made an Emmy, or he he won an Emmy for yeah. for an episode of Buffy. So yeah. yeah. Um, so yes, I'm so excited to eventually talk about others because I have so enjoyed digging into this life and yeah. uh, I couldn't even talk about everything that there was because <laughs> right. there's, you know, as, as little as there was, there was also so much. <laughs> yes. There's, um, there's so many things that we didn't go into because we wanted to focus it toward horror, but yeah. obviously, yeah, there's so much interesting stuff about his life. And then the stuff we don't know about his private life that is, I mean, you know, just, so interesting, but also you want to respect his wishes. Yeah. Like if, yeah. You know, like he, he's I don't a good want guy. to go looking into yeah. stuff if he really just did prefer to, right. to not be known. Like, I want to respect his wishes, but also I'm so curious. Yeah, I'm very curious. <laughs> <laughs> um, but respectfully curious. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. And so this, this just really got me so excited to kind of continue, like talking about other other people in the makeup yeah. realm uh we're really weaving a giant web here yeah we're going to this, eventually it's all gonna show. make sense one day yeah we're just gonna have lines drawn between episodes yeah, this we talked about this year charlie and, in the mail room oh absolutely yeah. yeah so yes again uh thank you for listening check yeah. out our patreon if you're interested in any of our behind the scenes research for with our bonus features uh we currently have eight patrons already that's right Thank you so much. That's great. I um, love it. Yeah. And once, so we decided uh, in celebration of that, mm-hmm. once we reach 10 subscribers, uh, we will send all of you a sticker. Yeah. We're going to, we'll get a stickers Legacy made. A Brutality sticker. Mm-hmm. And then we will also send the next 15 people That's who right. subscribe a sticker. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I'm super excited about that. Once again, thank you to our uh, supporters. We literally could not do it without you. Yeah. It's, it's like honestly uh you know sometimes as a as a podcaster you feel like am i just shouting into the void is anybody <laughs> listening but i i'm just saying it's been so great yeah to know that that people are enjoying the episodes and i i this was really fun for me because anna took the lead <laughs> and i got to just kind of relax while i prepared for next month yes what yeah. are we doing next month Hollywood's right. Dave. we're gonna be talking about Western horrors, uh, Western the genre, not just, you know, Western 
hemisphere <laughs> horror. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, we're gonna be talking about Western horror. In we've fact, already, we've already yeah. done. Yeah, some some b- 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 bonus uh, f- b- b- features. bonus features. Um, we talked about uh, 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 Curse of the Undead, mm-hmm. which is uh, worth a watch, mm-hmm. and uh, Billy the Kid versus Dracula, which also mm-hmm. worth a watch. If it's funny, yeah, it's I'd funny. Say so. It's it's definitely silly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Dracula does get hit in the face with a pistol. <laughs> he does. I laughed out loud. <laughs> it was funny, yeah. So, yeah, I'm, I'm excited to, to be talking about that next month. So, yes, very, very excited for that. Me too. <laughs> yep. So, I guess until next time, yeah. uh, we'll, we'll, we'll catch you next month. We'll catch you on the flip-flop. That's our <laughs> traditional sign-off. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. What, I, I I had all of this prepared and then I didn't think of how to end it. So <laughs> this that's, was that's very on-brand for you me. nailed it. <laughs> Bye. <laughs>